0: Oh, I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So,
1: so good luck. Okay? Good luck.
0: You say rock bottom, but, like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What? What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going... How much worse can it get? Don't count me down, you piece of shit! Shut your mouth! Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You fucking mark! Fire me! Fire me! How you think they gonna feel when they introduce your boys? That's the new. WWE, Undisputed, Tag Team, Champion. Oh, no, they might be cheering. Yeah. They might be booing. Yeah. Little kids might be crying. Oh, yeah. We got grown men out there crying. Yeah. But they still might be hating on the Oose Hating on us? Why? Because we went out there and did what we said we was going to do. D. Buffalo, all your babbling is interfering with my machine. So for the next few minutes, please just do me a favor and kindly... Sheet! What if I wanted to break laugh it all of and-
2: to episode 315 of the Hoops Podcast, one week from episode 316, which means, what, what, what? I got a shot of tequila,
0: what?
2: <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so, <laughs> we'll have some fun with that next week, I'll try to uh, clear out my throat and hopefully do a better Austin impression for you guys next week, but that should be that should be a fun episode, <laughs> 300, it's 316. Just said <laughs> I gave the Wrestling Twitter a reality check. <laughs> That's what the Hoops Podcast is. It's your weekly reality check from rest, uh, for Wrestling Twitter, the Hoops Podcast. So uh, I appreciate all the support, everybody. Uh, thank you for rocking with me. Uh, as always, um, if this is your first time watching or listening to the podcast, I want to say thank you. I am Joshy Lopez. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media, Safety and Applies on Instagram. Uh, we do this podcast free of charge every single Thursday. Uh, anywhere you get your pockets from, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please like, comment, and share, it, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, this type in the Hoots podcast on your uh, YouTube search engine. It'll be there, right there for you to see it for yourself. Uh, I'm recording this on June 23rd. 2022 is Thursday. It's uh, right around a uh, couple minutes past 10 o'clock here in the lovely city of Chicago, Illinois, as I'm recording in the Good Brothers Studio. Your boys in some in some good spirits uh, again. Like despite my my rant last week towards the Forbidden Door match card, um, I am looking forward to uh, going to the United Center on sunday and um be a good time to uh hang out and stuff uh this past month or so uh you know dealing with my thing i've been really cautious like monitoring my money and stuff like that so it's been kind of a struggle but uh besides that man life's good i got really nothing to complain about uh so excited uh football should be back soon before you know it you know what i mean uh uh there's just a lot going on right now, and um, I wanted to share a little bit of motivation before we get into the questions this week. I found this clip on LinkedIn that I thought would be very interesting for you guys to listen to, and um, it's called Put It Into Work. Uh, it's by a guy named Gary vannerchuk.
3: hope you like it. There's best practices. Everybody's different. You're, even if you follow the right... You know, I put out all my content for free. I want people to follow the model, but they're all going to max. Everyone's going to do it their own way. But even when I hear, when I hear anybody, a startup, somebody starting at zero or potentially starting at zero, anybody here, the second I hear working smart, I get scared. I try to get them off that because working hard is the cost of entry of winning. You know, nobody on earth that's made it that didn't work hard. You might know somebody who inherited money that didn't work hard, but you know nobody who's actually made it that didn't work hard. So I would just put the head down and try them all. Try them all. Here's my big thing. What is your time worth when you're not happy? Like, I hear people all the time like, oh, but I don't want to waste time. I'm like, you're unhappy." Here's what people do. They're unhappy. You're not where you're at. So you put your time in the dump- like 2K and Netflix and Fortnite because you're escaping your real life. Your time's not worth anything when you're unhappy. So put it into making yourself happy, which is the work to get you to where you want.
2: A little something to think about as we start off the podcast this week. And I could say it better to myself. You know, I I, I, I uh, run into that clip a couple of times uh, throughout the year, and um, even myself, I'd be like a wake-up call or reality check on things and how I'm handling certain situations or how I'm viewing certain things, and it's, it's like, do the fucking work. Like, I, I see Athena doing this press tour and doing this woe-is-me shit and talking about how... Uh, WWE demanded perfection out of her And you know sucking the life out of her Passion for wrestling and all this Action shit and blah 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 Well instead of Wasting your time talking shit about Other performers who getting Looked better than you uh, Again all this shit is fake and it's scripted uh, And wasting your time On trying to seek sympathy From Sean Ross Sapp and these guys. Uh, What about actually doing the work or Sasha Banks, who was a mark for herself. How about doing the work? It's, it's, it's wild. You know, I, I, maybe I'm a, uh, a victim of my own... Uh, I don't want to say a victim. That's, that's a dumb way to express it. But I'm part of a generation that gets labeled about people who are seeking handouts and entitled and stuff like that. Trust me. As I look you straight in the camera here, as I recording this on Facebook... On this QA session, I don't want nor I ever seek any handouts from any single person from anybody not my family, not my colleagues, nothing. I am not seeking a handout for anything. Everything that I earn, all the success of this show, all the success of my wrestling website, pro com, is off of just doing the work. I'm not seeking handouts, I'm not seeking. Extra, extracurricular things to validate myself. You know, I I I don't shy away from putting work in. You know, I I'm not gonna spend my time on stuff that's not worth spending time on. And what I appreciate appreciate about having this podcast is the fact that I can come on here, express myself, speak for my own accord, and. Try to help you guys in a lot of ways. You know, if I could give out advice and maybe think about something in a different light and maybe a bigger picture point of view instead of being close minded and stuff, I appreciate doing this stuff like that. Or I could share my experiences about relationships or struggles growing up or whatever. I I wear everything that's happened in my life as a badge of honor because I overcame it. And I've had a lot of good things growing up. I've had bad things. I'm not different from any of you who are listening or watching to this podcast. Trust me, I will never put myself on a pedestal above anybody just because I have a podcast and I'm little, little bit known in the wrestling circles. Like That's something I will never do. My ego is not that big. And also, I understand... For me, I have a lot more stuff that I want to accomplish and a lot more goals that I need to reach. And I'm barely at where I want to be. And I am not going to ever seek a handout from anybody, nor am I going to, you know, try to play the victim card and saying I'm wasting my time. And, you know, people are taking things away from me, blah, 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 blah. No. What do I say in the podcast every single week? Be the authentic product that that is yourself and never let anybody dictate the pace of your life but yourself and the man upstairs. You dictate your story. Nobody else. It's not not the other way around. You you know, stop projecting your insecurities onto people because you don't have the ability to look yourself in the mirror and take control of your fucking life. You know, have... Have the guts to, to forgive yourself for whatever bothering you, even if it's something that you're not responsible for. Take that time to be like, hey, you know what? I'm struggling. I'm not probably having the money that I want at the time. Uh, you know, I just got a bad relationship. Whatever the scenario is, you know what I mean? Take a look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself how you going to make yourself better from this experience. What are you going to learn from it? What are you going to do about it after the healing process is done? That's that's my question to you guys. Something to think about life-wise because, like, we say all these things and we project our insecurities and blame people and just all this complaining for what? What do you get out of that? Then wasted energy and time that you could have spent on something else, like, actually doing the work. So, like, when I hear people saying, oh, Sasha Banks this, Sasha Banks that, uh, oh, I feel so bad for her. I don't feel bad for her. I don't feel bad for her for one bit. You know, I understand We I cover an industry that's about uh, paranoia and Napoleon complexes and all that. Trust me, I understand what I'm covering, but it doesn't change the fact that just because You buy into your own shit and you think your shit don't stink doesn't mean that you don't need a reality check. I'm supposed to feel sorry for a girl who walked out in a company while she's making, what, almost a quarter to a million dollars a year? Let alone all the extra stuff she's making on the outside end of her Disney stuff and stuff like that. I'm supposed to have sympathy for her because she doesn't want to do the work? Like, (laughs) I'm supposed to feel sorry for her. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> so let's let's get to the QA. QA session this week. Uh got questions from Chris, Mike, and um Nate the Great. So I appreciate you guys sending questions. As always so sorry for Chris here at Twitter at XCLE twenty four X. He says, Which gaming system, PlayStation version, would you prefer? PS2, PS4, or PS5? Um Oh man. That's a good question. Uh you know what Chris uh for me I was a PS2 fan. Um that was my favorite version of the the box version of the PlayStation. But for me I also was a big PSP fan. I don't know if you guys remember that the handheld PSP Oh man, <laughs> when when I first got it, was like, uh, well, so I think I was like, I don't know, maybe ten or eleven at the time. I I'd marked up for. I was a big like play, PSP fan because it was a lot of fun, especially like the baseball games and wrestling Playing down. PSP was really dope. So I, if I had to pick one, that would be the one that I preferred the most. Uh, that's a good question. Though. I appreciate that. Uh, next question: your favorite match for Slammiversary. Oh man. There's a lot to pick from. Uh, I'll say Slam versus was a really, really good pay-per-view from Impact Wrestling. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's either the um, Queen of the Mountain match, because I, I, I thought it was really cool, and I thought they all the ladies uh, just did a phenomenal job in the match, it's either that one or uh, Josh Alexander and Eric Young. Uh, I really enjoyed that main event, and I thought it was really, really good. So I would probably uh, say that one for sure. Okay, uh, let's go to the next one. Um, let's see here. Um, Chris says here, who will win the G1 this year? I have no clue. It's too early to say that. <laughs> As you are listening to the podcast, I am going to give you guys a little pre-crash uh, course on the G1 this year. I'm going to talk about um, the analysis that's coming out for the G1 this year and let you guys be educated in case you don't know what G1 is or um, anything about New Japan. I'm going to have a full segment about that later on. But I, it's too early for me to say right now, Chris, who I I think will win. Um, I can tell you who I want to win, uh, and it's Ishii. Uh, it's time for Ishii to finally get his due in a run for IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. I, I told I said this on Tony's podcast, the Heat Podcast, which you subscribe to right now, that Ishii for me, uh it's now or never for him to get his chance to talk. And I, I get it, he's not a spring chicken or anything like that, and blah 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 blah, but he... It's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and I don't know why he doesn't get his chance to be fight for the main title and stuff like that. I just, I just don't get it. Uh, and still one of the one of the most popular wrestlers New, new Japan uh, has. Uh, any title changes at Forbidden Door? Well, we know that we'll have an interim champion crown, right? We'll have a new champion, I guess, crowned at the pay. So that's two. Um. I, outside of the ones that are interim and to be crowned, i say probably the uh, the only one that'll change will be the tag titles because I see um, I could see uh, Rapogi Vice beating like they get the upset victory and FTR switches their focus towards Young Bucks which they should have been doing for a long while and then um, you could have done that Plus, um, you can do Rapagi Vice against the United Empire if you want to re- rekindle that in Japan. Uh, the only one that I see that's an actual title on the line is uh, the tag title switching. So, like, I don't see Jay White losing. I'll get to the predictions later on, but yeah, that's, that's the best way I can answer that question. But I appreciate that one. Um, last one here for Christmas he is Is there anything you would change to the car for the Forbidden Door? <laughs> Can I change the whole fucking thing? <laughs> like, honestly, can I can I change the whole thing? Like, before we get to what the hell's wrong AW this week, I'm like, you, you look at this card for Forbidden Door, and it's like looking at the WWE Universe mode when you, like, simulate through it for, like, the first two calendar years. That's what it looks like. It looks like a... Hodgepodge of random ass matches on a pay per view on Universe Mode on WWE 2K. That, that that's what it looks like, like or what the free agent pool would look like if you're simulating through multiple seasons of Madden or NBA 2K. You know, like th- that. That's what this card looks like to me. Like I, I would change the entire thing, uh, the way we got to a lot of these matches. The fact that there is. So many three ways and four ways on this card. Like, it's just, I don't know. I I appreciate that TK wants to fit everybody on the show and stuff like that. But, like, don't get me wrong. There are matches that I am looking forward to and I think will be pretty fun to transcribe and stuff. But collectively, this card, as I said last night on Twitter, is the shits. Because we all know the agenda here. We all know what's going to happen. And we know what the purpose of this pay-per-view is. It's not a proper way to get ready and prepare ourselves with Tony Khan to get the Booker of the Year Award. It's all it is. That's what all AEW is. It's a vanity project. Congratulations, Dave Meltzer. You found yourself a televised wrestling company. You have Tony Khan as your face of the promotion and this is the wrestling we get. So, thank you, Chris, for the questions. This week, I appreciate you, my man. Let's go to our good friend Mike Rubio at Main Event Swerve. What's going on, my man? Uh, he sent me an email um, this morning. He says, "Josh, I'm traveling to Florida today, so the hoots will be too sweet to listen as I'll be on my way to Disney World for the first time in 25 years." Brother, I'll tell you right now, man, the envy is real. The envy is real for sure. <laughs> uh, I hope you enjoy your time in Disney World. It's, um, it's a great time going down there. I know they are doing the 50th anniversary this year. I really wanted to go to Disney World this year. I wanted to check it out. Uh, I, You know me. I, I want to be in Florida. If I could just go to Florida and never come back, I would. But um, for me – I hope you have a good time, man. I really do. Um, So let's let's get to Mike's questions here. Anyways, here's a few questions for you in the Q&A this week. Um, Have you ever been to Disney World or Universal Florida? If so, what is one of the must-see things in those parks if you know you won't return for years? Well, I'm not not saying that I won't return. Um, It has to be the right time. Like, I might... Like my thought process as far as whether I want to move to Orlando or not has not changed. It has not wavered one bit. Uh I I do admit real life gets a waste of times and you have to be smart about these decisions and how you go about it. If it was up to me, I'd be in Orlando. and if everything was going right for me and etcetera, etc., cetera, I would be down there tomorrow. Hell, I'll even move today after recording the show if I have my druthers, but I don't, and timelines change, and, you know, it's a big decision, it really is, um, but uh, the large main reason why I wanted to move down there is because I'm ready to start the next chapter of my life, that's the general basis of it, There's something else to it, and, um, as far as attractions stuff, I'm I'm really bad with naming rides and stuff like that because that's not really something I really think of because I'm not really like a big roller coaster person. There are cool features. Um, I do say for joking purposes to check out Space Mountain, but <laughs> we all we all know when it comes to Space Mountain, it, it goes like this: it's the lo- longest line, oldest ride. Woo! <laughs> oldest line no longest line oldest ride man space mountain never misses uh i I, one of my favorite features i don't know if it is for you guys but for me one of my favorite features of disney world is animal kingdom that that was one of my favorite ones when i went down there about 10 years ago for disney world like i the last time I was in, in Disney World in Lake Buena, that whole area like the Disney property was ten years ago. Um the last time I was in Florida obviously was last year. Um but um man, you, you bring this up it really makes me really envious of not being down there right now. <laughs> I'm selling you right now, but I hope you have a great time with your family. You're gonna have a great time, I'm in. Universal's okay. Like, I got to check out where TNA was recording their shows for all those years, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, they have um, they had like a really good like uh, food place where they have like four or five different restaurants inside of it in Universal, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, you know, walking past Universal is really nice with that backdrop with the waterfalls and stuff like that, so that was really cool. Um, I know everybody's put over the Harry Potter stuff. Uh, I haven't really seen the updates of, like, Universal or Disney World because I haven't been to those particular places in 10 years. So um, that would be my answer to that. Number two, he says, I see friends talking about SmackDown games stale lately, yet it holds 2 million-plus viewers per week. What, if anything, should WWE change there? I don't know what it is to change because honestly, can you tell me what people want in wrestling in 2022? I mean, we could say everything about everything, but the numbers don't lie and most importantly, the money, the bond dollar doesn't lie. And as much as everybody wanted, uh, uh per, you know, they want to project themselves and, you know, expand and just talk about how WWE is fading away and they're dying and they're struggling and all this stuff. I mean, you know, hate watch is really a real thing. And it's a real barometer to a lot of things because that's one of the main reasons why I don't take wrestling Twitter seriously. That's why I don't take a lot of these video talk shows seriously because as much shit as anybody can talk about a show, about a promotion that they don't like, WWE's numbers don't change. Their money doesn't change. And this industry is about making money at the end of the day. Where people want want to admit that or like that or not. That's what it is. And is it stale for people who only enjoy wrestling if it goes at a million miles per hour and they make referees look stupid? I mean, I don't know what people want in wrestling anymore. And that's a shame. If I can't tell what wrestling fans want anymore in 2022, uh, I f- picture how it is sitting in the in the shoes of Bruce Pritchard or, or Vince McMahon. Hell, even for Rick Moranis himself, like I don't know what wrestling fans want in 2022. They can't make up their mind. They they say uh, if what if their favorite person loses on a pay per view, they're gonna stop watching and unsubscribe from Peacock. Get their live Tweety Raw the next night. You know, it's like it uh wrestling twitter and just sustain the industry from a fandom point of view it's so all over the fucking place and cluttered and just just embarrassing to be honest with you so i i don't know what they could do to change that i i i mentioned before that i didn't think that the smackdown roster followed that last year's draft was great but you know we'll get to the segment um soon but Is it stale? I don't know. (laughs) People are telling me that Roman Reigns has had one of the worst title reigns of all time. Okay. Keep telling yourself that. (laughs) With John Cena returning, do you think he feuds with Austin Theory or he answers the WWE title picture with Reigns and Lesnar? No, I, I see John Cena doing his thing with Austin Theory, and I don't have a problem with that. I think that'd be pretty cool. As the Astros rookie shortstop, Jeremy Pena outperformed the hype of replacing Carlos Correa. He leads Correa in all-star voting. Have you heard of Pena yet? I have not. Um, I've been on on and off a little bit with baseball this year. Not because my socks have been inconsistent this year. It's just I haven't had uh, time to watch it due to my typing schedule. So I haven't really had a chance to like be fully invested into baseball I haven't even been to a game yet this season. So hopefully something changes soon and uh, we can figure that out. But I haven't I haven't heard anything to the contrary that I would say that he um, he's outperforming any hype. But um, I, I have to do some more research, but that's a good question. What is your go-to mood boosting song or artist when you are having a rough mental health day? Whew. That's a good one. Um, I can't say one particular song. I, I always say that I do go to Biggie. I listen to Biggie every night before I go to sleep. Um, there's other, like, motivational songs I'll check out, like um, uh, You Can Hate Me Now by Nas and uh, Puff Daddy. Um, you know, th- th- there's other days where I have, like, a rough mental day and I'll listen to the Eagles or something. Like, over the last couple of years I really like tapped into country music and stuff like that and you know it's really helped me uh gain that appreciation for that genre of music but it also it's made me a better guitar player too cuz I I love um I love playing my acoustic guitar and um when I'm having rough mental days kind of like a saturday where I get like really lonely or I'm just like drained for the week and I you know stuff's not going uh my way um I really go to country music, and I, I go to a lot of, like, ballad songs, too. Like, I'm not afraid to it; It's not, not not to be ashamed of. I'm, I'm really into ballad music. That's not to say that you won't catch you one day, like, rocking out to a Metallica album or something from ACDC or Iron Maiden. Like, I, my musical taste and voyage is all over the place. So I could be listening to anything at any time. But when I go to like a bad mental day, I mean you' listening to big or I listen to like some ballad like country songs or RB. b so those those are the ones I go to what guitar curves like are you most proud of doing, and why that's a great great question um uh recently uh the last two that I really have enjoyed doing was um Um the song called I Miss My Friend by Daryl Worley which is a country song. I think it's uh probably the most beautiful love song uh that I ever heard. And it's really fun to play on the guitar. Um I would say uh a new hit by Tank that just came out with him and Jay Valentine called Slow is another one uh that I recorded last week on my Instagram page. If you want to see it at Josh Slovens Media. That was fun to play because um, when I was in high school, I was in a in in our jazz band, and that really that time I was playing a lot of jazz and R and B stuff, and th- those those are always fun to play on the guitar. But yeah, I, I have two songs other that that really stood out to me, like um, "No Hard Feelings" by Old Dominion. is another song that I was playing. That had a little nice sentimental feeling to me and as I was getting through my healing process. So uh, that's another one to play on the guitar. And um, I have to think about another one. Um, oh, yes. Uh, Quitting Time by Morgan Wallen is a fun song to play on the guitar. All right, last question for Mike this week. He says, are you surprised to see Vince Man appear more on TV than during this scandal slash investigation? Um, I'll make this brief. No, I'm not surprised, and I'm not really going to expand on that. Um, like I said last week, I'm not really going to discuss this topic about Vince McMahon and Jeff Hardy and stuff like that. That's not what we're gonna do here on the podcast. It's really nothing for me to say that has already been said. And secondly, you know, uh, it, <laughs> you know, it, it's just amazed me that now in 2022, the Wall Street Journal really wants to give a fuck about this man's past tra- uh, transgressions. Like, like you yeah, have been following up with this stuff for 30 plus years. You don't know about the man and who he is for the last 30 years. Now the deal. Now leaks are coming out. Uh, it's really something that I don't want to get into and it's something that we're not going to discuss on the show. I so, uh, appreciate you, Mike, for the questions. Have a great time in uh, Florida, my man. I'm really, really jealous. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, all right. Let's see what we got here. Last question for the Q&A this week um, comes from the good brother, Nate. The great, yes, at psycho nigiri on Twitter, or as, he, as his uh, header name says, Nate Pinkman. But by the way, did you guys see that? Um, <laughs> do you guys see that Jeff uh, Seth Rollins, um, coming out to the Pink Panther music and him doing the dance? I, I just thought it was hilarious. Um, all right, anyway, here we go. Josh, do you miss working at the tattoo shop? Um. Yes and no. Um. Money was what it was. I don't miss it for that reason. Nate. Um. I don't miss the commute going there and back. Um. Especially at nights where you would stay longer than our original closing time. The tattoo shop. Those who work in the tattoo industry know how it is. It's just a fleeting experience. The tattoos go longer than they should. You know customers act up it's it can be monotonous at various times It was very monotonous and t- uh taxing on me uh towards the end of my run working at the tattoo shop but i'm very I'm very grateful for that experience don't get me wrong i i there was a lot of good times that I had working at the tattoo shop. What I miss is the time to hang out with my uncle Jeremy and just uh shoot the shit and stuff like that It's a lot of fun um I even, I missed the process of cleaning tattoo tubes. That was a lot of fun, you know? Just uh, taking out the toothbrush, the process of getting the ink out and then st- putting in the sterilizing machine and then putting it in the bags. I missed that. Hell, I even missed, like, scanning the papers uh, that we, like, the release forms and put it in our Transcend program. I, I had that job. I had to scan... And put the information, log in the information of all the clients into our trans uh, Transcend program. Not only is that program there where we get the notification uh, info for uh, our clients that got the tattoos. just In case any health issues came up or anything serious came up, we have the information to pull it up. And the evidence of them getting the tattoo. But also... Um, they gave out the numbers and emails in case people wanted to reschedule and stuff like that. So the transcend program is really cool and stuff like that. I miss I miss the aspects like that of the, the shop that I do. Uh, I miss the vibe of the energy just being there at night and you know talking to my guy Alex Gregson as well, who's the artist there. Uh, I miss I missed some aspects of that, but. Um, You know, combined with what I'm doing transcript-wise, the tattoo shop became very monotonous for me. And it wasn't worth the time I was spending there and what I was being compensated for the amount of work I was doing there. Yeah, I was there for three weeks, but for what I was actually – the work I was doing to keep the shop going was just not worth it for me. It was not worth – you know, me paying a third of my check sometimes on Uber rides just to get there. You know, it's just it wasn't it wasn't worth it. When you if you look at this. If you, if like I was getting paid around one fifty sometimes a week or one sixty a week if I'm lucky, right? And I would pay sometimes like fifty five or sixty bucks on Uber rides just to get back to my house. And that's just not fun. It's not feasible and it's not worth it too, you know? So I, I miss the experience hanging out with my uncle and just the vibe, that energy and I, you know, being exposed to that culture is really cool. And it's something that I, I don't take for granted too. Uh, but also I understand the rallies of being an independent contractor too. So I learned a lot there and I miss it in some ways, but in a lot of ways I don't. Um I'm happy with what I'm doing right now. And I feel like what I'm doing right now is going to bring me to even a bigger level down the road. So how important are visuals in wrestling in all aspects? If job, if Jeff Cobb looked more like Jay White, would they be pushing him more? Um, I'm, It's hard to say it. I know this has been a topic this week with the whole article stuff and body shaming. Um, The visuals on my end in wrestling, Don't apply to what the wrestler looks like or what their outfits are. A lot of the ancillary stuff that a lot of you guys complain about on Twitter. I'm not speaking about you, Nate, but just people on Twitter in general. A lot of those things people talk about is stuff that I really don't care about. I really don't. I don't care about booking. I don't care about performers win and loss records. I don't care about. What their entrance music sounds like, like I stuff like that that has nothing to do with what happens inside those rooms. I can get two shits about that. Most importantly, I don't care what they look like either. I, I don't. I, I never subscribe to the theory of okay, a person has to be six five, Jack to be over or anything like that, or. Like you're putting here, if Jeff Cobb looked more like Jay White, they would be pushing him more. I think talent, their talent in the ring and what they can do on the mic should separate those parameters. But that's not the case. And I know a lot of people look down at guys like Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin and stuff like that for their size and stature. And they are the prototypes and blah, 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 blah. But here's the difference. Those guys that you bitch about, they put in the work and they're actually good at their jobs, you know? <laughs> for me, I've been desensitized in a lot of ways to professional wrestling due to the fan culture, the way it's covered. Um, a big part of it is that as well. And also the fact that I see a lot of people, I see a lot of wrestling throughout the weeks. And it's hard for me to really Separate one performer for another because there's a lot of wrestlers who do a lot of the same moves. They carry themselves in a very generic way, and when I see somebody that stands out, that resonates more to me than somebody having a match where they just do Falcon arrows, spinning back back kicks, uh, rolling forearms, super kick, Canadian destroyers, insecurities. The list goes on and on, but. All this talk this week about Adam Cole and his body shaming and stuff like that. My issue with Adam Cole and AEW has nothing to do with what he looks like or his body shaming. I, I I don't do that with performers. I'm the last person to ever describe somebody for body shaming. And for me, my issue for him is that what he's doing in AEW has no consequence. And it hasn't been meaningful since he showed up has nothing to do with what he looks like or if he needs to put on more muscle or anything like that. I don't care about this stuff. But, I see, as we're talking about this, put that conversation aside. Can you tell me with a straight face that Adam Cole's really made a difference since he's joined AEW? Can you tell me and look at me with a straight, look at me straight in my eye with a straight face and tell me that Adam Cole has made a monumental difference to AEW or the wrestling landscape since he's joined now. That's my only complaint. I, I, I still enjoy his work. He's one of the few performers I do enjoy from AEW. Uh, I've always enjoyed his matches. I always thought he's been a good promos guy. I, I've always enjoyed his work over the years, where he was a good guy or, or a bad guy. Um, his body image or appearance should not have a factor of what his uh, quality is to the industry. Yeah, we can do. We all can do the airport test or when you recognize somebody walking down the street. Cool. Do I recognize them or it's not whether I recognize them at an airport. It should be whether I give a fuck about them if they're on my TV screen. Just because you're jacked to the gills in 6'5", or 6'7", or whatever the requirement is these days for pro- prototype wrestlers, that should not matter. Jeff Cobb is unique to himself uh, for how he wrestles in the ring. Now, I was more interested in Jeff Cobb as Matazza Queto in Lucha Underground than I am right now in him in, uh, in New Japan. But the wrestling's still the same. He's still a great athlete. He's still a great wrestler. But from a performer point of view, I enjoyed him more as Matazza Cueto. My taste is different from the modern dirt sheet guys and people and the talk he has and stuff like that for me. I don't think Jeff Ka's position in the card would be different if he looked like Jay White or was better, like, shaped than him. I, 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 I just don't agree with that stuff. Um, here's another question. What was the last time you cried? Um, last time I cried was probably at my, um, my cousin's wedding. Uh, it was just a very emotional night, and it was uh, not a sad, like, crying where i feeling, like, really down or whatever, but it's just – I was really happy for him and just to see the smile on his face and how happy he was. It's just, it was a really special night. I'm really glad that I was able to attend the wedding and, um, you know, it, it, it was really a really special night and I was very happy for him. So, you know, it's, it's one of the things you go to a family wedding, wedding, you're going through that process and you get, uh, choked up a little bit and it comes out, but, um, yeah, that's probably the last time I cried, but nothing recently or nothing that really like overwhelmed me support that I like need had have like a bad cry or stuff like that. But like I said, uh earlier in the show, your boy's in good spirits. Uh I really am. But, you know, just being there at the wedding, just that environment. Uh yeah, I'll I, I got emotional and I was very happy for my cousin Vince, and he's really happy right now and he has a wonderful family and Glad I was there to be there for his wedding. I thought it was really cool. Um, All right. Who's on your Mount Rushmore of WCW? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I'll do it like this. Rick Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Sting and and WO. That probably be my four. I go with. I mean, of course, you can add it WO if you want, but um, for me, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Sting, and um, I forgot the other one I just mentioned, but like, yeah. Those on the top I had definitely deserved their spots in, in what made WCW WCW at the time. But that's a good question. And that's going to conclude our Good Brothers Q&A session here for this week's edition of the podcast. I want to thank Nate, uh, Chris, and Mike for saying some awesome questions this week. I appreciate you guys. And um, as always, if you ever want to participate in the Good Brothers Q&A session, all you have to do is hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at JoshSlims Media or the Hoots podcast at gmail.com. Sit back, relax, strap it down, we'll be right back in just a second, and we'll get to what happened this week in WWE, right here on the Hoots Podcast. Yes, sir. What it do, everybody? Welcome back. Time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. As Michael Cole said, shout out to uh, Michael Cole for celebrating 25 years behind the commentary dust of WWE. So started off this past weekend, Minneapolis, Minnesota. By the way, I want to give a shout out to my guy Andrew Baydala. Baydala, <laughs> I see my guy there, a couple rows behind the commentary desk. There he is in living color, Andrew Baydala, <laughs> my guy from S&E. Um By the way, I I want to say this really quick. Uh, give my flowers to my guy Andrew Baydala. Here, my other guy, Blake Mitchamore. They do uh, occasionally they do these things called turb uh turbuckle spaces. They do this thing on Twitter. You guys know the whole Twitter space stuff. You guys, should, you guys should uh check it out. They do some good content there. Um shout out to them on the spaces, if you will. Uh so, anyways, here we are. Uh talk about uh SmackDown this past week. Right, Ra- we all know the drill about Roman Reigns and Matt Riddle. Riddle started the show. Dedicating the match to uh, the one and only Mr. Uh, Randy Orton, who's going to be out for the rest of the year. Uh, Following that, uh, we saw Barry Corbin against Riddick Moss in a last laugh match. Moss ended up picking up the victory over Corbin. After the match, Corbin threw a fit towards Pat McAfee. And this is how it went down.
0: About a last laugh match was that we'd see your sorry ass getting laughed out of an entire arena, so I think with the help of the beautiful people
2: Be the national treasure. I do have to say this out for Drew. If you are listening to this, I do appreciate it. <laughs> right, they're about to start the the Minnesota uh chat for I think it's for the golfers or the, the college football team. Uh and just like nah, nah, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> Stick it true to your roots, my man. I know what you're doing. <laughs> That's tremendous. Um, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Uh, we're going to get a rematch with the Street Profits of the Usos at Money in the Bank. Um, speaking of some petty stuff, man, did you see the stuff on Twitter with Ronda Rousey and Natalya recently? Shit. <laughs> Once you start bringing family members into the equation, you know that shit's about to hit the fan. I say keep your eyes on that, uh, f- out for that match. I think this this hasn't been discussed enough on a lot of shows recently because, you know, people got to keep on their hate watch WWE narrative, you know. Uh, get your Fightful Select, by the way. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, there hasn't been a lot of discussion over the fact that this car for Money to Bake features three women's matches. Not only do you have the Women's Money to Bake ladder match, which has a very interesting feel this year. And also, you got like they mentioned Natalia the and Ronda, and then you got Bianca. But in her RAW was title against Carmella. And I'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But I don't know why people are not talking about that. I think that's pretty cool that you know show at NGM Grand Garden Arena has three women's matches on the pay per view. I think that's pretty cool. New Day against Jinder Shaky was what it was. I thought it was funny though. when Shaky was dancing to uh, Woods playing the trombone. I thought that was funny. We found out that Drew McIntyre and Sheamus found under Donnie Brooke Brawl a few weeks ago. They both have been entered into the men's money to make ladder match. No problem there. Uh, Sami Zayn is still trying to uh, convince the world that there's no issues between him and the bloodline. He's doing everything he can to join the bloodline. Curious to see what happens with Sami Zayn. What if, if, what if Sami Zayn, Brock Lesnar's friend, Cost him the WWE t- uh, title at uh, SummerSlam. That, wouldn't that be interesting? I don't know. <laughs> um, Raquel Gonzalez against Shayna Baszler. I thought this was fine for what it was. Um, I just wish they had some more time to the match. And I also said I wish there was some more time because um, I got to see uh, my. My new current trendy favorite waterfall, Lacey Evans, on commentary. That girl is fucking beautiful, man. All the way around, forget about it. We had the ring general being not say he's uh, gonna have the put his title line in a rematch against Ricochet. Ricochet. Uh that'll be taking place um on tomorrow. Uh yeah, for this week's edition of SmackDown. So that should be fine. And then, of course, what everybody's been complaining about this week, outside of Vince McMahon and Jeff Hardy and God knows what. um, (laughs) Roman Reigns against Matt Riddle. By the way, do you know that 2.8 million people watched this match? And you still want to say that Roman Reigns is not the needle mover? Yeah. Of course, having a, a world title match on TV... With spark interest, but to that level, it's not another level. Where you want to choose to acknowledge that or not, that's on you. But Roman Reigns and Matt Riddle, and I put it—I put this out on Twitter as the show was going on last week. Roman Reigns is an attraction. He doesn't have to be there and put his title on the line every week, every month. He's an attraction. I know WWE's conditioned us to believe that we have to have a champion defender tell every 30 days and stuff like that due to the volume of TV and how the branch that was in the past, but Roman Reigns is an attraction when he's there, he makes his stuff count. It means more. So yeah, are there, days, are there weeks that I wish Roman Reigns was on every episode doing this, doing that, but I'll take a match like that that brought Riddles to another level and just continues to solidify how damn good Roman Reigns is as the top draw in the industry. I'll take that any any time of the week or any time of the year. Roman Reigns is that dude. And then all the fake outrage this week about the return of Brock Lesnar. You know, for as smart as the IWC and Wrestling Twitter likes to make them out to me... They came off really dumb this week. Especially the typical victims. I would play this rant, but I don't want to make your ears bleed for the nonsense that spewed out of it. But I did hear the rants about, oh my god, I can't believe we're going to have Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns again. Did any of you numbskulls really believe that Brock Lesnar was not going to get his chance for the title and get his rematch when he came back? Did any of you believe that was the last match with the way how that played out in WrestleMania? Did you really believe that? Oh, they go to the Brock Lesnar well so much. I don't know. Uh, listen to the fucking audience. Look how excited they were when he did come back on Friday. Stop. And I, I, I mean this. For people who are watching or listening to this. Please stop allowing dirt sheets and Twitter to dictate your wrestling opinion. Listen to the fucking crowd. It would be a totally different story if Brock, Les- Brock Lesnar came out and nobody gave a shit. That would be your indicator that the audience is fatigued of the feud. Even when Brock Lesnar's music stopped playing, they were still into it. And going off the air, into it. People going away their way to shake Brock Lesnar's hand after the show's over. Don't come to me about all oh, we've seen this match a gazillion times. Talk to me where I had to sit through twenty-seven different variations of chaos versus House of Torture in New Japan, or you know, twelve different matches of Eddie Kingston against Daniel Garcia in AEW, or you know, <laughs> a run-of-the-mill. Uh, you know, Chris Sabin match with somebody from Honor No More. We get rematches in every aspect of the industry. It's not just WWE. And I'll tell you what, as a guy who's been to all three Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, WrestleMania matches in person. Yeah, them fighting at SummerSlam and his last man same match should be the send-off for it. I'm not I'm not coming here and blowing saying that, oh, Brock Lesnar is the only person who should fight Roman Reigns for the title. But a lot of this scuttlebutt and these outdated narratives about how you gotta start building new stars. You gotta do this, you gotta do that. You, the same audience, don't allow WWE to try to build new stars because once they do, because everybody's still stuck in their prism of the CM Punk podcast, anytime somebody starts getting on a winning streak that's not your indie favorites, you shit on the guy. And that's a fact. Look at Drew McIntyre's totter reign. And don't blame it just on the pandemic, because a lot of you fickle-ass fans and content creators went out of the way to shit on that man during his totter reign. Oh, we need to start building new people up. How about you put some action into it to yourself? Anytime Starbucks somebody starts gaining momentum. Oh, they're getting the push. They're getting the rocket push. But oh, this is because it's not my favorite. Because it's not an IWC darling. Oh, I'm going to shit on the guy. And guess what? They go back to where they were before. Yeah, of course. I was everybody that said that Goldberg did not need to beat Kevin Owens and etc. Cetera, et cetera. Were you going to tell me that Kevin Owens is not a star? Was Kevin Owens' career ruined by Goldberg? Really? tell me about oh you gotta give other guys a chance like it's that simple all, 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 all the time I hear on each wrestling podcast oh where's the build up where's the build up well how about you give a fucking somebody a chance to build themselves up before rushing and doing these stupid ass debates about their booking and their wins and loss records how about that It's that, is that easy of a, a constant to you guys that you think you can just shoot out stars out of people's asses these days when the audience, A, doesn't know what the hell they want and B, they don't even get the performance time to get themselves to another level because we always gotta do these stupid ass debates about, oh, they're getting, they're getting pushed too much oh, we're seeing now they're Vince and Bruce Prichard's favorite wrestlers give me a break Fake outrage, shit, in my ass. You're just doing it for likes and tweets, likes and retweets, because people on Twitter can't think for themselves. Don't even fool me. Oh, we gotta build new stars. We gotta do this. We gotta do that. Like it's that simple. Oh, you could you could have built up somebody as a credible challenger for Brock Lesnar uh, or for Roman Reigns. Who? Who? Out of the blue, you you're gonna tell me you're gonna build up Montez for for a month or two, and he's gonna be a credible performer? Love Tez. But even then, anytime anybody starts getting hot on a hot street that's not a, a, a crowd favorite or IWC darling, you don't give him a chance. Sorry about RAW. I it was I was a little bummed out to hear the news about Rhea Ripley being not medically cleared to compete at Money in the Bank. So, switcheroo got to do a fatal five way match. I thought the match was pretty good. I Liv Morgan continues to up her waterfall game as the weeks go by. That girl's a she's a hoot, if you will. <laughs> I I'm a big fan of Liv Morgan. Uh Carmella won this match. I figured she was gonna be the one to win because you already have Liv and Alexa in the Money to Bank ladder match. And honestly, going into that match, you'd think one of those two, or at least are one of the favorites, are ones that people want to see win the Money to Bank ladder match. So uh, honestly, I was not upset that Liv or Alexa Bliss were the ones to win this fatal four way. It made sense to how the show ended, it, so it's fine. Carmella does deserve her flowers, and her and Bianca I think will have a good match and by the bake, So I wasn't really upset about that because I was wondering where Carmella's been on TV. She's been missing in action, so good on her. Uh, I think she deserves her flowers, and I don't think she gets enough respect for what she actually does in the ring. You can, you, it's all subjective. If you don't like her character or stuff like that, that's fine. I really don't really care about that. But, um, yeah, I, I I think it was pretty cool uh, that she got her chance there. So I thought that was cool. Uh, good promo by Sephra's. You know, he he's uh, throwing it out there that he should be the next Mr. Might in the Bank and that he has Roman Reigns' number. I thought that was Cool. Some decent matches on the show like Jey Uso and Angelo Dawkins. I thought that was a pretty solid TV match. Uh, Same thing with um, Bobby Lashley's gauntlet match with uh, Alpha Academy and Austin Theory. I thought that was really good. Lashley won that. He'll fight Theory for the United States Championship at Money in the Bank. Now we got to talk about my favorite part of Raw this week. Elias is back. Enjoy a little bit of this backstage conversation with Ezekiel.
3: Come on, I'm a changed man, okay? Seeing you out there living your dream like we always talked about, hearing the crowds cheering you on, it's completely changed
0: my perspective. In fact, I'm proud to be performing tonight in Nebraska. I'm just wondering if people remember, WWE stands for Walk With
3: Elias. Come on, man. Didn't you hear the Zeke Frank's last week? Of course they remember.
0: <sighs> Gotta say, this means the world to me. I know mom and dad are sitting there watching us,
3: same way me and you used to sit on the couch and watch. I mean, maybe you'll get a chance to see me in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, you know, who knows? I mean, can you imagine undisputed WWE Universal Champion Ezekiel getting all zeeked up thinking about it
2: (laughs) oh man that was fantastic how they all played it off and again, Kevin Owens the national treasure that he is if you guys have seen the Ezekiel and Elias uh, segment with Kevin Owens you need to go check it out for yourself I thought that was pretty good AJ Styles uh, had a solid match with Tommaso Ciampa. I wish they had some more tie to it, but it was good for what it was. Um, it looks like they're going to run with the running joke about Miz having a shrinkage problem. I'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I found a piece of audio from Raw Top this week that I wanted to share with you guys from Seth Rollins with an uh, interview with Kevin Patrick. Let's hear a little bit of this.
3: Thanks very much, guys. Seth, freaking Rollins. Safe to say it's been a turbulent few days for Riddle. You kind of aided that this evening, didn't she? You doubled down on it. You made a statement tonight.
4: Well, look, I know it's been a rough week for Riddle, but, I mean, come on. He's asking for it. He's out there putting the visionary's name in his mouth like he deserves to speak my name with his breath. Come on. Truth be told, I was just going out there to make a mission statement to declare that the entire world doesn't stand a chance against Roman Reigns, and I do, obviously. Riddle was, uh... Collateral damage. But like I said, he had it coming to him. He had it coming to him just like everybody else in this Money in the Bank match has it coming for them. Two weeks. Las Vegas, baby. I am Mr. Money in the Bank. Let me ask you a question. Let me let me turn the tides, shall we say. Do you remember the first time I cashed in the Money in the Bank contract? I don't think anyone could forget. <laughs> Heist of the century baby, I am Mr. Money in the Bank. No one can hang with me. It is my destiny to reclaim that contract and cash in at Rome on Roman Reigns. It's my destiny, man. Roman's been dodging, been ducking, been running, been hiding, but baby, you don't stand a chance when I get that contract. You can't run from me. Because I am visionary. Revolutionary. Revolutionary. And 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 Seth. Freaking Rollins, baby! <laughs> I have a plan for you, Mike.
2: See ya. It's Kevin. <laughs> I'm sure Carl Carr would get a kick out of that part too. Um all right, let's see what we got here. Um yeah, so that was pretty good there. then uh obviously the main event, Becky Lynch, Asuka, the winner would qualify for the women's money to bake ladder match. We saw Asuka win that match. Very good in physical match there. Oscar won with the Rodhouse Get clean as a whistle. Becky looks completely distraught as the show goes off the air. I could probably see Becky get her chance in the last chance thing. I could see that for sure. I'm kind of curious to see what the rest of the men's field is for the Money in the Bank ladder match. I'll save that. But um, here's the card so far for Money in the Bank. Uh, we have obviously uh, Austin Theory putting his US title on the line of gossip. Bobby Lashley. Usos against Street Profits for the tag titles. That's going to be good. Randa, Ronda Rousey against Natalia for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bianca Belair against Carmella for the Raw Women's Championship. We got um, Asuka, Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, the winner of Shotzi Blackheart and Aaliyah. And one more to be determined for the women's Monday Bank ladder match After that, we got Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, almost. Uh, I think there'll be another qualifying match soon on SmackDown, I I would would say, for sure. And then we'll see what the rest of the card shapes out uh, throughout the rest of the way. Don't be surprised if Sami Zayn finds his way into this. That's right, Sami Zayn got a qualifying match next week with uh, um, Nakamura. So, that should be pretty good. Uh, Looking forward to that. So, yeah, overall... A uh, decent week uh, for TV. If I had to give a nod for the better show, I would give it to SmackDown. Um, but a decent week overall for WWE. Uh, really quick before we get to our next segment because we got to talk about the G1 and stuff. Just a lot of stuff going on this week. But uh, we got to talk about, of course, NXT UK. Today we got uh, Isla Dawn against Myla Grace. We got Saray against Nina Samuels. And of course, Ashton Smith and Oliva Kata, Uh taking on Josh Briggs and Brooks Jetson for the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. All right. So, those will be going down today for NXT UK. Um... So, I'm looking forward to that. It should be a lot of fun. So, yep, folks, that's what happened this week in WWE. When I come back, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the G1 Climax tournament. And I'll let you guys know about what's going down. And then we'll get into our main event segment right here on Who's Podcast. Okie dokie, folks. One more pit stop before we get into our main event segment, what you guys have been waiting for all week. What the hell is wrong with AW? I got a nice little surprise for you guys this week. Not only do you, we get what the hell's wrong with AW, but you're getting the return of the Thoughts of Derricko for one week. Brett Carter uh, decided since it's a pay-per-view week, he wanted to grace us with his audio presence, if you will, and he sent me a couple clips this week. One for what the hell's wrong with a W, and secondly, another one for um, uh, the Thoughts of Derricko where you'd be making predictions no for the forbidden door so let's get to it let's talk about the g1 climax uh tournament coming up in july starting on july 16th um i told you guys on twitter i'm gonna give you a little crash course of what's going on for the g1 climax tournament as always i I recommend you guys follow along um, not only with my coverage of the G1 on pro wrestling dot com, but I also recommend you guys check out Chris Sansa at sport of pro wrestling dot com. Uh, who does a lot of great work. He has a lot of stats and info and stuff like that, which you we find very interesting. Um, Chris does a lot of great work in New Japan. I think it, it, he's a good follow on Twitter to check out. So um, hey, we gotta give people their flowers. You know, it's not all about me. Um, so. I'm going to read a lot of what I wrote in the reference sheet here so you guys can get a little gist of what the G1 is if you haven't watched it before. So I'm not going to go over the entire match lineup and tour. I have it posted if you want to see it for yourself. But I'm going to let you know about the ins and outs of the G1 and who's participating in this this year. So it should be pretty fun. So here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Josh Lopez. And I'd like to welcome you guys to the NJPW G1 Climax 32 reference sheet. This will mark our sixth consecutive year covering the annual NJPW G1 Climax tournament right here on Pro Wrestling Transcriptions. It's the best tournament in professional wrestling, and we're ready to give you the best match breakdowns in the business. There's 20 events this year, and with the continued celebration of New Japan's 50th anniversary, New Japan Pro Wrestling has brought the G1 to another level this year. There's 28 competitors separated in four blocks. The winners of each block will meet in the semifinals of the G1. Don't forget to subscribe to NJPW World and make sure to share our transcripts with every single G1 32 event. It would mean a lot to us and we want this to be the ultimate point of reference for you guys and girls. As always, I'll update the scoreboards and results of this particular article following each event. Let us know which matches you are looking forward to the most and who you think is going to win the G1 Climax 32. With the G1, anything can happen. The charm of the G1 is that upsets can come at any time. There will be debts that have to be paid, chances for new rivalries, faction drama, performers making their first appearance in the G1, like Filthy Tom Waller, El Fantasmo, Aaron Hernare, Jonah, and David Finley. This is the largest G one field of all time. The last time the G one was separated into four blocks was two thousand. The tournament will go on from july sixteenth through eight through August eighteenth. The G1 Climb tournament this year consists of four blocks, each with seven competitors who will square off against one another and earn points for each victory. And like I mentioned earlier, the winner of each block will meet in the semifinals, and the winner of those matches obviously will be in the finals at the Depa Budigan. Should the current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Jay White win the event, he would have the opportunity to choose his number one contender as the current champion he is. Here's some G1 Climax 32 stats and nuggets. Also, credit to Chris Sansa as well. Hiroshi Tanahashi holds the record for most victories in the G1 91. Entering the G1 21st second time, he is a three-time G1 champion. Naito was a finalist in 2011. Had to forfeit in last year's G1 due to a serious knee injury he suffered in the match he had with Saber Jr. By the way, Naito and CSJ are in the same block this year. Tamataka, who's who was exiled by Bullet Club earlier this, year, earlier this year, will have his first chance to get his hands on Jay White. How will things play out with David Finley and rock hard Juice Robinson? This will be their first meeting since Robinson joined the Bullet Club. Will Ospreay and Shingle Takagi had a legendary match in the best Super Juniors tournament a couple years ago, and their rivalry will be renewed as they are in the same block. Lance Archer. From AEW will be returning to New Japan. The last time Archer was in the G1 was 2019. The NJPW Strong brand will also have a nice representation in the G1 as Filthy Tom Lawler, Jonah, and David Finley are participating in this year's tournament. Speaking of participating, here are the blocks as it is follows Block A, Okada, Jeff Cobb, Jonah, Filthy Tom Lawler, Lance Archer, Bad Luck Fale, and Toriato. Block B, Jay White, Tomohiro Ishii, Taichi Taishi, uh, Tama Tonga, The Great O'Khan, and Chase Owens. Block C, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tetsuya Naito, Saxe Jr., Kenta Evil, Hiroki Goto, and Aaron Hanare. And lastly, certainly not least, Block D, Will Ospreay, Shigo Takagi, El Phantasmo, Juice Robinson, Yoshihashi, David Finley, and Yujiro Takahashi. 28 competitors... Seven matches in each block for every competitor in there. So it's going to be a lot of action. (laughs) Let's just say that. A lot, a lot of action and a lot of matches. But all goes down to August 18th. And we'll have all the coverage here on ProStateTranscriptions.com. So, yeah, that's what's going on for the G1. A lot of matches to look look forward to on the card. Obviously, Okada and Jeff Cobb have always ripped it up. I've never seen uh, Okada fight Tom Lawler, so that should be an interesting matchup. Uh, Jonah making his first appearance to see how he performs. That should be very good for him. Um, I say the best blocks as far as ones that you're looking for your five-star matches and stuff like that is definitely block B and block C. But I think Block D has some potential, and as I was telling Tony on the on the recent podcast I was on with him, the charm of the G1 is the fact that upsets can happen at any time. And this is usually the time of the year where everybody wants to smoke. So there's not gonna be a match on the G1 tour that's gonna feel lazy or going through the motion. So um I'm I'm really excited for this. Um the G1 is My busiest time of the year. Besides Wrestlemania season obviously. And this should be absolutely insane. So 28 competitors. Four blocks. All hell is going to break loose. In the G1 Climax 32 this year. On that note. It's time to give people what they want. What they need. What they've been waiting for. And salivating for all week. It is what should be an Emmy Award winning segment. Otherwise known as What the Hell Is Wrong with A E W. Let's start this off with Brother Carter. That's right, Brother Carter's here on the podcast this week in a three, two, one. Beat
4: your, beat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat, beat your meat,
0: beat, beat
4: your meat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat. Beat your meat.
1: Beat, beat your meat. It's time for... What the hell is wrong with AEW? What the hell is wrong with AEW? You know, I've been on my summer hiatus, enjoyed my time off, it's been lovely, um, and I'm still going to be a, on hiatus for another few weeks, but I couldn't pass up this opportunity to give a few thoughts as we get into the door that is forbidden. No, this weekend. So I thought I would take this opportunity to, I had a chance to watch Dynamite Tonight on my summer hiatus as I've been out on vacation, and I said I had to check out this show, and I couldn't help but give... A few thoughts getting into this weekend, because all I have to say is, if this is the go-home show to this pay-per-view, I have absolutely no interest or any reason to watch this show at all. Oh my God, was Dynamite complete dog shit this week. Let's get into it. There's a few things that I liked, so let's talk about the things that I liked first. First, I gotta say, I do feel bad for Brian Danielson, uh, that he's injured and is not able to compete this weekend. I really bet his match with Zack Sabre Jr. would have been terrific. I I don't know much about Zack Sabre Jr., but everything I've heard from all accounts says he's terrific. So I would have really liked to have seen that, so I feel bad for Brian Danielson. Uh, I hope he gets well soon. Really good promo from Christian Cage this week. I saw that he turned on Jungle Boy after the Bucks of Youth regained the titles. Shocking. The EVPs put the titles back on themselves again to make themselves the first-ever two-time champs. Shocking. Anyway... Uh, a really good promo from Cage I thought that was awesome Heal Christian Cage is the best Christian, cha- Christian Cage So that was great And I hope it'll give more opportunities for Jungle Boy To, to become a star um, Because I think he's got all the potential in the world The problem is, is he'll never become a star Because he never went to WWE And therefore he is useless in Tony Khan's eyes Good match with Malachi Black And Pento Oscuro um, I think Malachi Black is incredibly underrated and needs to do more with the world title Or the TN title tnt title or at least get back to wwe um also and i actually didn't mind the mural promo afterwards which i can't believe i'm saying that but if that's going to be the angle they go with i can actually buy that and that could be kind of cool so i didn't mind that promo at all so overall really good segment i enjoyed it and a decent match with silas young and adam page the buckshot lariat is really cool problem is is i don't know who silas young is because i don't watch roh so and that's aew's big problem we're going to get into that in a minute but let's Now get to the shit, and oh boy, was there a lot of shit. Well, Brian Danielson is officially delusional. He said that AEW and New Japan are the two best promotions in the world. And he's also excited about Blood and Guts, which I I just, he has officially lost his damn mind. Um, Because how on earth can he think that this garbage bullshit gives us some of the best professional wrestling in the world? I don't get it. He, that's, that's my, he's not medically cleared to compete, I guess, because he got it kicked in the brain to make him actually think that AEW and New Japan know what they're doing. New Japan did, but then they realized, but then they thought they needed to team up with AEW, and well, you've seen how that goes. That seen how that has gone. Moxley delivers a promo that doesn't get me excited at all about the pay per view. And again, I here's the thing: I don't care about this pay per view because I don't watch New Japan pro wrestling. I just don't have time, and I've said this before on this podcast. I'm a casual fan who, you know, happens to have a platform to, to, to say a few things that, 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 about wrestling. So I'm, I'm a slightly more than casual fan who knows a lot about the business and has been watching wrestling for 30 years, but I don't watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I don't know who any of these guys are. And I don't know why I should care about Moxley being involved with Tanahashi. I just don't get it. Okay, and then Orange Cassidy comes out. And it's him and the Rigatoni Vice or whatever their name is. I think it's what what is it? Rigatune Vice. I don't know. I'm saying Rigatoni Vice. Um, him in pockets going against um, Will Osprey and the Aussie Club. Which again, I've heard a lot about Will Osprey. It was cool to see him, but I don't know anything about him, so I don't know why I should care about this feud. Um, yeah. So I just don't get why people pop for Orange Cassidy. He's completely. He's a good athlete. Decent in the ring, but his gimmick is stale. His gimmick got stale about two and a half years ago. But AEW can't switch it up because for some reason their fans, they'll they'll pop for anything that this company does. This very, very small fan base pops for anything that this company does.
0: Oh my God, you can't change it. You can't change it. It's AEW. You can't change it.
1: Yeah. And then when those fans eventually stop watching and they don't bring in new fans, but uh, all those wrestlers still expect to get paid. Yeah, let me know how that works out for you, Tony Clown. God, what a tool. All right. And, of course, they showed kids saying, shut the fuck up on television during Christian Cage's promo. Awesome. The Young Bucks are freaking useless. They make me dumber every time I see them. Who the hell is Silas Young? I just have no idea who he is. And here's the other thing now. I don't know who's on the AEW roster. Like, it, it, it seems like they're for, featuring ROH guys and New Japan guys more than their own guys. So I don't know, and, and uh, well, they don't actually show the female talent, so um, I don't, you know, there's that. There's no consistency in their women's division, which we'll get to in a minute, but I just, I I, I, I don't know who's on the main role. I don't know who, I'm, who is a part of AEW? Like, Who? It seems like they, they put more ROH and New Japan, or they show more ROH titles than they do their own titles with FTR and, and uh, Wheeler Yuta. So I just don't know. I don't know who's on AEW's roster anymore. Um, Adam Cole gets more annoying every time he speaks, and I can't believe I'm saying that about Adam Cole, because I used to love Adam Cole, but he's been destroyed in AEW, and his career has gone completely down the toilet. And now Jay White is coming out. Look, we're all supposed to know who the hell he is and then okada shows up finally uh i get and i understand he's one of the biggest stars in new japan but why is he only showing up now wouldn't you think that new japan would want to put their biggest star out there to help promote this pay-per-view again the only people that are going to watch this pay-per-view are people who know who these new japan wrestlers are which is a very 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 small percentage of the entire wrestling community you know, and this is who AEW caters to, and this is going to be a problem. It's not a sustainable business model. But Okada shows up, gets a kind of sort of big pop, maybe, and just does some generic wrestling moves. So, again, I don't know why I'm supposed to care about Okada, who's supposedly their biggest star. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And then, of course, Jay White, come, as said, Jay White comes out, and it, 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 this all just doesn't make any sense at all. Marina Shafir is being wasted in AEW. And again, there's no consistency in their women's division. Again, you throw her in there with Shayna Baszler or Ronda Rousey, you'd be awesome. But Tony Storm gets the win, kind of a roll up. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa. I think that's going to be a really good match. Um, Thunder, Thunder Rosa is great. Um, and of course, uh, I I've thought Tony Storm has been great for years. So that's all fine. But again, where's the consistency in their women's division? I thought Britt Baker, DMD, was their main star. And not, but we didn't see any of her this week. And then we get a small promo from Jade Cargill, um, who's trying to keep things PG, but then tells Tony to stop the shit. So I just don't get it. Why is Lance Archer randomly in the main event of the show? <sighs> and here's the other thing, and I said, if you don't know who Tan- if you don't know who Tanahashi is, you would be saying that he's meh. This was my first time to watch Hiroshi Tanahashi wrestle. And I thought, he's fine, I guess. He's kind of a generic dude. So, again, if you don't know who he is, you have no reason to be to be invested in this feud. This is going to be the biggest problem with this pay-per-view, is that you have no idea who to be invested in and why to be invested in them. Oh, God. And then we get to the post-match brawl. Did the commentary team in, try to imply that this was a New Japan invasion? This is the angle that we're going with on the final segment before the Forbidden Door pay-per-view that Tony Khan is inviting them to? I have to keep my voice down because there's other people in the house that are sleeping when I'm able to record this. But I would be screaming at my computer right now if I could. So this is a very tame version of what the hell is wrong with AEW from from Derrico. But I'd be screaming right now if there weren't people. So I'll let Josh in his portion of the show scream and yell, Josh, if you could do some extra screaming for me and ranting, that would be great. So they're saying that this is an invasion angle. Of a pay-per-view that Tony Khan invited them to AEW. Boy, be, bravo. Bravo, Booker of the Year. Tony Khan truly has lost his ever-loving mind. This is going to be... I, I, I have a feeling that the matches are going to be fine. But where do you go after this? And how does this benefit New Japan? The card is awful. I'll give my predictions in a separate episode. But if i I, I have absolutely no reason at all to be invested in this show. And I hate to say this, but I hope it's a total flop so that this whole wrestling world can get Tony Khan to shut the hell up and go the hell away. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW!
2: Thank you, Mr. Brenda Carter. Thank you for taking some time off your sweet hiatus, my man. All right, it's time to get into what the hell is wrong with A.W., a.k.a. what is it wrong with A.W. All right, folks, hope you had a wonderful week. <laughs> Make sure you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh Media. Man. Do I have to talk about this show? Do I have to talk about Dynamite especially? This rudderless autopilot ship that we're on? By the way, it's week number three of no FGF anything. No references, no updates, no nothing. So I'm just going to act like he doesn't exist now. Did the truth hurt Rick Moranis? Did Did it sting a little bit? By the way... Nothing that Edgef said in that promo is wrong. I mean, look at this card for Forbidden Door on Sunday. By the way, a former WWE guy will be crowned a new AEW All-Atlantic Champion. A former WWE guy will be crowned a new AEW Interim World Champion. Meanwhile, he'll fight for the main title against another former WWE guy. If MJF doesn't show up at this pay-per-view on Sunday, then what the hell are we doing here? Oh, man. Uh, Max, <laughs> MJF, I, I sympathize you with my brother. Keep your head up. So, started off the show on Dynamite last night with Karen Danielson gracing us with his presence. Um... Glad he admitted that what Eddie Kingston and everybody else watching at home knows he is a judgmental prick and passive, aggressive, and phony. Um, so <laughs> I, I did get a kick out of Brother Carr saying he's delusional, but I, as I told him last night on Facebook Messenger, Brian Danielson has been delusional for a long time. It's another guy who thinks his shit don't stink, and um. Yeah, as much as I have bummed out that we didn't get to see Brian Danielson at the United Center Russell, that's fine. Uh, it's not the end of the world for me. I'll just say that um, whoever is replacing him and who's going to fight in blood and guts next week better be worthwhile because, I mean, great. We're going to have a match with Zack Sabre Jr., And who's it going to be? Who's going to be the one that really wants to bleed and stuff like that? Who's going to be the new member of the Blackpool Comic Club? If it's Gargano, cool. If it's Cesaro, cool. I'm leaning more towards Jonathan Gresham uh, joining the group. But I could be wrong. But I'm curious to see who they pick because... If it's somebody that's out of the nowhere and nobody gives a shit about, that's going to be an interesting reaction, to say the least. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, am I excited to be at the United Center and experience a full-length wrestling show? You're damn right I am. But am I excited as a fan to come back and transcribe this? Not really. And Dynamite didn't do me any favors this week as far as getting me more pumped up for the show. You know, I know the whole discussion for the next couple days would be like, oh my God, Okada showed up. But as I said last night, just because Okada finally showed the last week before the pay-per-view, doesn't put a blanket over this crap build. Every month, every year, we go through these soliloquies and diatribes about the build-up towards WWE pay-per-views. But... We don't hold AEW to the same standard, yet this is the same uh, promotion that marketed to us that they're going to write the ills of the WWE, and they're going to be the saviors of wrestling, right? Where, where's the bounce here? Why, why are we doing this double standard game? So, Kyle shows up, oh, the bill for Fruit has been great. Oh, the card's great. It's going to be a great pay-per-view. Great this, great that. I feel like I'm at a fucking Trump convention. Like, literally, every time I, I watch a AEW show, I feel like I'm at a Trump gathering. Everything's great. Everything's huge. It's the greatest thing ever. Greatest, greatest, greatest. And I, and I, I hear Tony Khan I Busted Open. Where, where <coughs> That's nearly a half an hour ass-kissing session. And I'm like, whatever, dude. <laughs> I can repeat myself every week and just say this is uh, a hand... Uh, Glad-handing, but it's, it's kind of trending into a hand-jobbing session in AEW because everybody's kissing each other's ass. There's no right or wrong. There's no no person. There's no filter there. Everything is great. I'll tell you something that's great and something that was good, actually, on this program last night was Christian Cage. And ironically, he has nothing to do... With this pay per view on uh, Sunday. Let's play that for you. Let me, let me scroll that up for you guys. Let's play this.
0: Listen,
1: Tony. Listen. I was only giving Jungle Boy's mom the chance to apologize to me for giving birth to Jungle Boy. And she instead fled me off. But here's the thing here's why I think she's really mad. I think she
0: saw her night in Shining Arbor go off into the sunset.
1: I think she was a little sweet on Christian Cage, if you know what I mean. I think she wanted me to be Jungle Boy's father. And here's the thing, I
3: know Jungle Boy, he looked at me like a father figure. He sure did. But here's the thing, Jungle Boy. I never wanted to be your father. I never wanted to be your father figure. You have a father. But your father's dead.
0: Shame to see how you turned out. He'd be embarrassed and ashamed to see you crumbled up like a ball on my feet, refusing to get up and fight back.
1: Here it is, Jungle Boy. Enjoy your early retirement at twenty five. Stay
0: gone because if you.
2: I-, I wanted to play the whole thing because. Honestly, last night on Dynamite, Christian Cage took that entire roster in AEW, especially Jungle Boy, to wrestling school. If you want to talk about what Wrestling 101 Playbook and Wrestling 101 this and Wrestling 101 that, Christian Cage just did that right there. Wrestling 101 into houses to Start a Feud. Wrestling one on one on setting the layers of a feud. Wrestling 101 on how to cut a promo that actually has some substance and nuance to it. Wrestling 101 on how to be a heel. A lot of good stuff there, man. I, I have no complaints. Christian was good. It's the first good thing he's done in a year and a half. <laughs> I know how good his Christian is. I don't know if Tony Khan did. But that's another story for another time. Let's talk about a couple of the matches that went on the show. Aussie Open uh, and Will Ospreay lose again. Uh, they lose to Rapungi Vice and Orange Cassidy. Because we got a double down in the stupid ass match that I talked about last week. Yeah. Pockets and Will Ospreay. It's going to be the next Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. I saw that as a tweet last night. I'm not shitting you. I saw this as a tweet last night. Will Osprey in Orange Cassidy is the next Undertaker in Shawn Michaels. Well... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I I don't even know how to respond to that. I I really don't. That's like... Okay. That's like putting Biggie in a versus battle against Takashi69. Or Biggie in a versus battle against the baby. Or little baby. And all the babies. What are we doing here? Why do we have to double down on a fucking vanity project? I don't want to come on here and do a whole Jim Cornette impression routine. That wasn't the goal of this segment, or for the reason of this segment. I didn't create this segment because of Jim Cornette's reviews of AEW. I do think it's ironic that me and him share a lot of the same thoughts. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll agree to that. I am a Cornette fan. Shout out to you, Corny, if you're listening or watching to this. But I, I watched this segment, and the fact I watched this match too. And it's like, do anybody care about any rules? I, JR even got me to agree with him this week. How about that? Him pointing out the stupid tag one, two. The simultaneous tags in the quarter rear makes the referees look stupid. How? When has that ever been legal in wrestling where you can tag somebody and then immediately tag the other person in? It makes no sense. Everybody's doing the same spots. Again, you're making Osprey look weak and like a jabroni. United Empire starting to build some momentum as a serious group in New Japan. Oh, they got to back away from fucking Pockets and the rest of the crew. Come on, man. By the way, it wouldn't be a go-home show at AW without Afterbirth Brawls. And boy, were there a lot of them on this program. Um... Uh, speaking of things that of doubly down and don't need to. Uh, Jay Lethal. This vanity project with Sanjay Dutt and Saturn Singh. Does, does this fucking group have an name to themselves? What is it? The nobody gives a shit about me club? What is this shit? Nobody's going to care about the Samoa Joe Jay Lethal match when it goes down. Nobody's going to give a flying fuck when that match goes down. Now, let's bring back some positivity. Uh, I enjoyed, for the most part, Malachi Black and Pentagon Jr. I thought that was a good match. Malachi Black won. No surprise there. After the match, Miro said he's going to redeem all his opponents and make a bad look of his uh, god and calls him a coward. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But Malachi and Pentagon, good match. No problem there. Actually, the four-way... Despite me ripping on the name of the title, I think should be a pretty, pretty good match uh, for Forbidden Door. Now we the, here's the the contrast at AEW. You heard Christian Cage's promo earlier in the show. Let's hear from these dweebs. the Hartley Boys and Kyle O'Reilly. you're
4: finally planning,
3: doing planning. your job. <laughs> take a look at these. Huh? <laughs> They're back on the best tag team in the world, the Young Bucks. We got the titles back. The tag division is number one yet again. Nick, all is right in the world. The Young Bills are back on top, and we're the first ever two-time, two-time, I'll say it again, two-time AEW World Tag Team champions. Mm-hmm. And you might be asking yourself, Young Bucks, are you going to be on the pay-per-view Sunday, Forbidden Door? Well, I don't know. Geez, s- since we're probably the original locksmith that created the key that opened the damn door in the first place. I think it's a safe bet that we're gonna be there. Okay. How you feeling, Kyle?
4: I'm pretty freaking far from okay, guys. First Darby takes out Fish, and the man called Sting should be locked up for what he did to me, completely unprovoked of my hands. Were registered lethal weapons. I would sue his ass. I would sue his ass, but Forbidden Door. We got the Bullet Club. We got Hukaleo and Elf and Haswell. Yes, 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 yes. To team
3: with you guys, the greatest right. tag team of any generation in my humble opinion. <laughs> to take on and his cronies at Forbidden Door. Oh, the, the Young Bucks back in Bullet Club one night only. We're gonna super kick the Forbidden Door down because it's oh. showtime, folks! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now cut. cut it, Brandon. Uh,
2: no comments. <laughs> My point is proven right there in that clip. Hangman hey, Page. Nice to see Silas Young on the show. Uh, I've been a fan of Silas Young for a long time. So working working at A-W, AAW in Chicago. Also, a long stay in uh, Ring of Honor as well. A mainstay there in Ring of Honor, I should say. And um, I thought the match was fine. This is where Okada showed up at the match got to a Pier 6 brawl with Cole. Uh, Jay White. It's going to be a predictable fan for way as it was. Um, again... My issue is not necessarily the matches for what the match quality would be at Forbidden Door. Of course, it would be a, a, a fun show in that light. But the build-up. Sh- why should I care? When the fact that you can make me a guy who's all New Japan. Uh, uh, New Japan is one of my favorite emotions in wrestling. Right? And, and let's say if WWE wasn't around. I would say for sure New Japan would be my favorite wrestling company right now. If you can take a guy like me who's an all-new Japan guy and not be interested in an Okada match and seeing him in person, you'd be out of your mind. But AW accomplishes that because AEW does everything to make me not care about their product. So, yeah, will the match be awesome? Of course. Look who's in the ring. But why should we care? Where's this match going to be placed on the card? We'll see how this plays out. Um, Tony Storm against Marina Shafir. Overstate is welcome. Uh, I thought it was alright. Tony Storm won that one. Here's the lineup for Rampage this week. We got Jeff Cobb against Cash Wheeler. Mercedes Martinez and Serena Deber in tag action. Hook will fight the DKC. And Andrade Alitalo against Phoenix. Um, Should be the main event. But... Knowing AEW would be the first match of the show. Um, So, (laughs) that's a preview for Rampage. And then, obviously, the main event, John Moxley and Roshi Tanahashi against Chris Jericho and Lance Archer. Believe it or not, I was actually enjoying the majority of the match. Uh, But, again, this goes back to AEW not... Knowing how to format the show and killing the vibe of matches, like I was really trying to get into the hey Man Page and Silas Young match because I was really into. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of the guy, and it's cool of him getting this opportunity on on uh, on Dynamite, right? But uh, almost half of that match was in picture and picture, and same thing here. Like I don't know if they went for extended picture and picture runs because they had to do these stupid ass afterbirth brawls after every match was over. This week, I. I th- this was as close to WCW as you would get an any Wrestling program this week on Dynamite. Like, golly, man. Can you let something breathe? So, John Moxley, Tanahashi gets the victory over Jericho and Lance Archer. Tanahashi won with the high fly flow. No harm, no foul there. They get to their face to face. Cool. I thought that was going to be a fine visual. Wrap up the show that way. But no! Out comes Eddie Kingston. Out comes Wheeler Useless. Out comes Shota Umino. Out comes the Jericho Jagoff Appreciation Dick Riders. Out comes um, Santana and Ortiz. We have a brouhaha to close up the show. Not only to promote Forbidden Door, but Blood and Guts. As Tamataga said... Twitter last night. Too much bullshit and nonsense to close your show off the air like that. Look, <laughs> as much as I'm indifferent on the John Moxley and Roshi Tanahashi match and how predictable that match is going to be, leave the visual where it needs to be. That should be an attention. You're selling the pay per view. That's the main event of your show. Why are we doing this stupid? ass brawl where punches are barely being thrown or landed correctly oh my god man this company can't help themselves and then of course we had we had to have this stupid ass brawl on the outside because we got to promote blood and guts next week like we really need blood and guts so i guess you want to hear my predictions right for forbidden door we should do that to wrap this up i'll I'll save this and last week, I really went off and expressed my frustration uh, about this forbidden door pay-per-view. This week, as I came out of Dynamite, I'm not infuriated. I'm just indifferent. I'm going to the show to have a good time and get out of the house and enjoy myself. So I'll do that. And there are matches on this card that I am looking forward to, at least for the match quality purposes. But am I on my pins and needles excited for this show? Hell no. Like I mentioned earlier in the Q&A. This this card looks like something. Like an automated generator pay-per-view card. That you see in the universe mode on WWE video games. That's what it looks like. The fact that we got New Japan people teaming up with AEW people. Is so fucking ridiculous. It's insane. So. Here's the card. Max Caster and the Gun Club. This is the buy-in match. <laughs> Max Caster and the Gun Club. Take out LA Dojo members Yo Uemura, as Coglin, Kevin Knight, and the DKC in the eight-man tag. Uh, we know who's winning that one. Max Caster and the Gun Club. Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy for the IWGP United States Heavy Championship. Well, Osprey's gonna have to do miracle work, and I'm sure he will, and he'll make it enjoyable for what it is. But will Osprey will retain? That's my pick there. I have, um, I have Suzuki, Jericho, and Guevara beating uh, Kingston, Umino, and Wheeler, Utah. That match is such a waste of time. I don't know why anybody wants to watch that match. I really don't. Um, Zack Saber Jr. against Jonathan Gresham. I say. Um, I say Jonathan Gresham gets an offset victory over uh Zack Sabre Jr. I'll say that. That'll be my pick if that's the guy. I say whoever whoever replaces Brian Danson will beat Zack Sabre Jr. That'll be my pick. <laughs> Listen to this. Shingo Takagi, one of the best wrestlers in the world, by the way. One of the top ten wrestlers in the world, by the way, is relegated to eight man tag. Listen to this. Shingo Takagi, Hiromu Takahashi. Darby a. Allen and Sting against the Young Bucks, El Fantasmo, and Hikalea. A random ass eight man tag with no purpose to it. By the way, what have I been saying for weeks now since this paper you've been starting? A match that's right there, right in front of you. A, a, a perfect opening match for that card for you to do. Darby Allen against Robo Takahashi. Nobody, don't. Neither of the guys are holding titles, so they their feelings can't get hurt if they lose the match. You have the perfect match right there. But no, let's pull them in a tag match, because we got to have fucking Sting on the card. Brutal, man. How about this? One of the few matches I'm looking forward to. United Empire, Jeff Cobb, and Grail Khan, and FTR put putting their... Perspective tag team Titles on the line and a winner takes all match against Rapagi Vice. I have Rapagi Vice winning the match. That should be pretty cool. And then I have Thunder Rosa retaining over Thunderstorm. I have Malachi Black becoming the all Atlantic champion. Then finally the last two matches. I have Jay White retaining over Okada and Cole and Hangman Page. And of course. Sean Moxley against Hiroshi Tanahashi. So we'll see what happens with this Godforsaken pay per view coming up on um coming up on uh, Sunday. And <coughs> excuse me, let me get a swing of water really quick. Alright, so I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good time and um excited to be there at the United Center on Sunday, but I'll let you know, man. Uh, this this pay-per-view is going to be long. Don't be surprised this is a five-hour pay-per-view. I don't know if it'll be as long as Double or Nothing, but look at this card. We'll set to see what matches get cut short or whatever. But, yeah, that's your card for Forbidden Door coming up on Sunday. Uh, a autopilot generator of matches that make absolutely no sense. So, that, my folks. Is what the hell's wrong with AW this week? All right, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with me. Another fun edition of the Who's Podcast is in the books. Uh, make sure to do me a favor and make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram if you like at Josh Sloan's Media. Make sure to bookmark dot Transcription.com. I want to thank you guys for listening and watching the podcast as well. Make sure to like, comment, and share this podcast and give us your predictions. Uh, for Forbidden Door in the comment section here on YouTube. Also on Spotify as well. Make sure to follow us there. Uh, we really appreciate the support. And if you're an Apple Podcast user, please leave us a four or five star review and rating. It really helps expand the reach of the show. And Carter and I want to gauge your guys' thoughts uh, and your critiques of the podcast as a whole and anything you'd like to change or anything like that. So, for myself and the Director of Operations, this has been episode 315 of Hoots Podcast. Remember, be the authentic product that is yourself. And remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself and the man upstairs. I love you guys. Make sure to sit back, relax, strap it down, and enjoy From In The Door this weekend if you could. <laughs> and also, uh, let's send it off to Brother Carter for this week's edition, a special edition of the Thoughts of Derrick Right here in Hoots Podcast. We'll be here next week for episode 316. Give me a hell yeah! (laughs) We'll talk to you guys next week. I love y'all. Yes, sir.
1: And now, The Thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that will never be forbidden in anyone's eyes. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. Well, this edition of the Thoughts of Derrico is taking a midway point from my summer hiatus and my traveling because with Forbidden Door this weekend, I had to give some predictions. No! For the show. And I'll certainly be doing that and I can't wait to do that. But before I do that, I want to speak very quickly about um, just a couple of the, of the major topics in the world of professional wrestling and kind of give some thoughts um, I think the first thing that's that's on everyone's mind is, is the Vince McMahon scandal and everything that's going on with that. I'm sure Josh has highlighted that uh, earlier in the show, so I want to speak about that a little bit and just kind of what's going on. Obviously, this is a crazy time um, for WWE right now. You've got Vince McMahon, who has stepped down as CEO with Stephanie McMahon taking an interim role. Uh, after she was going to take some time off, so this is kind of crazy. She's being brought back. Um, John Laurinaitis has been placed on administrative leave, and I've been reading that he's not going to be back. So Bruce Pritchard is going to take over as um, director of talent relations. Um, it, it's a crazy time in WWE right now. I, I I don't know what this means. Triple H is stepping away. Um, uh, we could see a major shift in in WWE's. Um, you know, the, where the, the direction of the company over the next couple of years, because it sounds like Vince McMahon is going to be phasing himself out, accepting creative, which could be a problem, um, honestly. And I, and I know with some of the things they're doing creatively, and we're going to get to that here in a second, but I just, I, I was hoping that this would actually get Vince McMahon out of creative and they would let, you know, somebody like Triple H or, or somebody with the new blood, um, as with, you know, Triple H did an amazing job running NXT. And so I'm, I was hoping that it would lead to Triple H coming back and taking over, but you know, it is what it is, but I I hope they get this all sorted out soon, but I have a feeling we're going to see a major paradigm shift, pun intended, in WWE, which I think is going to be for the better. You know, Vince has been doing this for a long time, you know, God bless him. He's created a dynasty, but sometimes you got to know when to let go. And I think it's time for Vince to let this thing go, pass this thing off to his kids and let the next generation run with it. Um, now of course <laughs> Tony, there Tony Khan is inept, so it's it's not going to matter, and he's bringing down all of the potential competition with him. You know, Tony Khan's bringing down ROHN New Japan with him, so it's not going to matter. Vince is still going to win the war, which he was going to win anyway. But to make it even better, I think it's time for Vince to get rid of everything and just let his kids take over. Okay, the other major story of the week is the return of Brock Lesnar. Now, the first thing I thought of uh, about this was this was absolutely the break glass in case of emergency. Cody Rhodes is out. Randy Orton is out. So I guess they felt Lesnar was the next best option. And listen, I love Brock Lesnar. I think, as we all know, his stuff with Reigns over the last year has been incredibly entertaining. Problem is, is we've seen it. Now, I get it. Like, it's going to be awesome. And and I'm not suggesting that's not going to be awesome. But who is, like, you're telling me you couldn't put Rollins in there? You couldn't throw Kevin Owens in there? Like, could you imagine the Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns stuff? That would be amazing. So while we've seen, I'm happy to see Lesnar. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the greatest of all time. And this is going to be a ton of fun. Um, And I think it's a safe way to get the title off of Reigns, if I'm being honest. Because you get Brock Lesnar, get the win. um, And if Brock Lesnar isn't sticking around, you just have somebody cash in. Whoever wins Money in the Bank, which I think is going to be Seth Rollins. You have Seth Rollins cashing money in the bank, and that's how you safely get the title off of Reigns. That way, when Reigns is ready to come back, if he wants to take it back from Rollins or whoever, he can do that. I'm hope, I hope my thought would be get Reigns to take it back, and then Cody takes it off of him at WrestleMania um, if, when Cody's ready by then. So, But to everybody that was, of course, freaking out, like, y'all, it's fine. It's going to be fine. We're going to see some great promos from Lesnar. We're going to see some great stuff from Heyman. Um, but yes, this was absolutely WWE's break glass in case of emergency. Again, I wish they had given another up and coming star a chance, um, like or not up and coming, but like you know some of the great talent they have uh, at the top of the card, like maybe a Drew McIntyre or maybe a, a Kevin Owens or um, Seth Rollins or something like that um, to get a chance uh, to go against Reigns at SummerSlam because I think that'd be great. Riddle had his chance and they had a great match on SmackDown. I'd love to see a little bit more with Riddle. But so uh, so we'll see. Um, it's, it's not time for theory yet. So, it was, I mean, but all this, my, my point in all of this and my ranting and ringing is that to say this was absolutely a break glass in case of emergency. The Lesnar breaking of the glass. Mm, I wish they hadn't done it, but at the same time, I'm always happy to see Brock Lesnar, and uh, the views that are going to happen on YouTube are going to skyrocket as a result. So, there you go. Okay, before I wrap up the thoughts this week, I'm going to give my predictions. No. For the Forbidden Door pay-per-view coming up this weekend, that I will not watch. Even if I could, I would not watch this at all because I have. I hate to say this about any pro wrestling show, but I hope that this show is a giant flop so that the world can give a big fuck you to Tony Khan um, for bringing down AEW and ROH and New Japan all at the same time. Like he's literally brought all three companies and reduced them to laughing stocks right now. But let's go over the card. I'll give some predictions, even though I have no idea who half these competitors are. Um, I'm reading these off of Bleacher Report, and I'm recording this on a Thursday evening. So that's as of Thursday evening. uh, I'm sorry, uh, Wednesday evening into Thursday morning is when I'm recording this. And so uh, this is the card as of then. So the first match they've got listed is Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy. You're telling me out of the entire AEW roster, you couldn't find a better opponent for Will Ospreay than Orange Cassidy? Hey... Um I I hope this is good cuz I actually think Cassidy's a good athlete and I've heard Will Osprey is terrific. Um I'm going to say Will Osprey retains here. Um no reason to put the title off of him though. I wouldn't be surprised if Orange Cassidy, Tony Khan's favorite pet project, ends up walking out with the title. But I'm going to take Will Osprey to retain here. All right. Next up, we've got winner takes all for the IWGP and Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. The IWGP champions, United Empire, defending or, or, or competing against um, Rapanji Vice, or as I call them, Rigatoni Vice, um, Tramperita, and Rocky Romero, as well as FTR, who are the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. I'm very confused about what's going on. So you've got the IWGP. And Ring of Honor tag team championships on an AEW show. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with FTR here. Um, they've been terrific as of late, and um, I, I see no reason for them to 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 not take tiles and get more opportunities to wrestle. Um, again, my only concern with all of this is is what does this mean? Like, is, does this basically mean that R, ROH, AEW, and iwgp are combining forces to try to take on wwe i mean it's so like that's fine but I, I i again like i just don't know who's on what roster and it gets all convoluted and mixed up that being said i think this should be fun and um i'm looking forward uh to this uh, i'm not going to see it but i assume this will be a good match and i'm going to take FTR to become the undisputed champion and champions and now we have a trios match. We've got, let's see, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Monaro Suzuki against Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shoto Shota Umino. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, Chris Jericho has become the worst professional wrestler in the world. He's he's calling himself a wizard. Um, Sammy Guevara is a complete douchebag who is going to end his career recklessly. I've I've completely fallen off the Sammy Guevara train. I was on it for a long time. I have jumped off that bandwagon. He's gonna end up doing something stupid and ending his career. Much like Darby Allin will. And him and Ty Conti. Like, I appreciate the fact that they're trying to get heat. Like, I will give I will give Guevara and Conti credit for the fact that they can draw some natural heel heat. And that's good. Like that 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 is what you should do in professional wrestling. That's good. That I don't have a problem with. My problem with Guevara is that he's gonna end up doing something stupid and he's gonna end up ruining his career. Um that's my problem with him. Same thing problem I have with Darby Allen. That being said, um I've got Kingston, um, Yuta and Umino winning here. I think the faces will be good and they can continue to build this feud into something with blood and guts or something. I don't I don't know. And then you got blood and guts after this. I, I don't know what the hell is going on, but I'm gonna take the faces to get the win here. All right. AEW will introduce its newest championship for some stupid reason, the All-Atlantic Championship. In a four way contest, you've got Pack, Miro, Malachi Black, and I believe it is Okada, I think is in there. Is that correct? Sorry, it's Ishii. I had to pull up a different card. It's Ishi Ishii um, in that. So you've got... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Pac versus Miro versus Malachi Black versus um, Tomohiro Ishii for the All-Atlantic Championship. Um, this one's hard to predict. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to take Miro, I guess. I'm hoping it's Malachi Black because I think... No, no, scratch it. I'm going to take Malachi Black. I'm going to take Malachi Black um, to get the win here. I think that he's terrific. I think he's been completely underrated and they need to give him something to do as leader of House of Black. So I've got Malachi Black winning here. I don't think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a really good match. Um, again, I don't know much about Ishii. Um, and I liked Miro's pro, uh, promo on Dynamite this week. So I'm going to take Malachi Black to get this, uh, to get the win and become the inaugural All-Atlantic Champion. Okay, um, a couple other matches that I've just seen here. Let me see if I can find them here. Um, okay, on the buy-in show, which I forgot to talk about, you've got the Gun Club, Billy, Colton, and Austin Gunn, and Max Caster. So you've got Max Caster and the Ass Boys against the New Japan Dojo team of the DKC, Kevin Knight, Alex Coughlin, and Yuya Yumira. Uh, I'm going to take the New Japan team to get the win here. you got to have the faces get the win here. Um, On that one, that match will be what it is. I don't know why they're dudes with attitudes. Like, what is this? California Dreams? Surf dudes with attitudes. So you have the dudes with attitudes. Sting, Darby Allin, Hiromu Takahashi, and Shingo Takagi. Versus the Bullet Club. There's your Bullet Club reference, which everyone will go batshit crazy for. El Fantasmo... Hikaleo, and the new AEW tag team champions, the Young Bucks. Um, I'll take dudes with attitudes to get the win here, the California dreams to get the win here. Um, I, I don't know why. I don't care. Um, fine. That'll be great. Zach Sabre Jr. Um, is now going to go against the newest member of the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, Brian Danielson announced on Dynamite that he's unable to compete, unfortunately. So that's really sad. I was hoping to. I know a lot of people wanted to see Brian Danielson versus. um, They wanted to see Brian Danielson versus uh, Zack Sabre Jr. That's not going to happen. The newest member of the Blackpool Combat Club. This one's hard to predict. Um, I've seen some names thrown around. I've seen Cesaro thrown around out there. I've heard he's coming back to WWE, but Cesaro would make sense. um, So that they'll have a a nice little one-off match, and then Cesaro will be relegated to being in a you know playing second fiddle to Brian Danielson, John Moxley, and William Regal. But it is what it is. Um I'll say it's Cesaro to be the to be the person that will go against Sack Saber Jr. And that'll be fine. So and of course Cesaro will get the win against Sack Saber Jr. Okay, let's see. We've got Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm for the AEW Women's Championship. Now this is a match I'm actually looking forward to. I think this will be terrific. This might be one of the best matches of the show. I'm going to say Thunder Rosa retains her championship. It's not quite time to take the title off of her yet, even though it doesn't really matter because the most inconsistent booking in all professional wrestling is here in AEW's women's division. But I'm going to say that Thunder Rosa will become the new AEW Women's Champion. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Thunder Rosa will retain the AEW Women's Championship. She's already the champion. I will say Thunder Rosa retains. That should be a good match. We've got a four-way match. Jay White um, is defending the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against Hangman Adam Page, Okada, and Adam Cole, baby. Um, I've got Jay White winning. Um, I've got Jay White retaining his title here. Um, no reason to put it unless they're going to put it on Okada. I, I could see them also putting it on Okada for, for a, a New Japan storyline. And then, oh, you didn't beat me fairly, which would make sense. I'm going to say Jay White retains here. But don't be... You no, know no? I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Okada's going to win the title. Okada's going to win the title here because Tony Clown wants to get a huge IWGB pop on his show in the United States. So I've got Okada winning this, and I can set up a feud down the road with Jay White, down the road with Jay White if they wanted to. Which, oh, you didn't beat me fair and square. So I'm going to say Okada. I'm changing my pick midstream. I'm taking Okada to become the new IWGB World Heavyweight Championship. And then we get the main event. John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the Interim AEW World Championship. Now, every like every bit of logic says Moxley is going to win the AEW World Championship. Uh, this is a head versus heart thing because my head says go with John Moxley, like that's clearly the, that's clearly the way to go. But I would not put it past Tony Khan to put his world title on a New Japan star to make Dave Meltzer jizz his pants. Like, that's that's the sole reason I'm taking Tanahashi to win the AEW World Championship because Tony Khan wants to do nothing more than to blow Dave Meltzer. That's the only reason I'm picking this. I'm taking Tanahashi to win the world title just so that Tony Khan can please Dave Meltzer and get eight stars in the wrestling observer newsletter and win Booker of the year for the third year, because that's all he cares about. Tanahashi is going to win so that Dave Meltzer can, you know, pull a Stan Marsh. You know what I'm talking about. And those are my predictions for forbidden door. Not going to watch the show. Don't care. Think it's going to be a waste of time, but if you're getting into that stuff, go for it. Enjoy the show. And those are the thoughts of Derrick this week. Um, my, my final thoughts to everybody is continue to enjoy your summer. We're in a crazy time in our world right now. I know gas prices are out of control. Um, scary things in the world um, going on with gun control right now. All I would say is just hang in there, folks. You know, As the United States, we've always been resilient. We'll always fight through this like we always do, and we will come out stronger on the other side. If you're going to watch Forbidden Door, enjoy it. If not, enjoy your sanity. Hang in there, folks. We're going to make it. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.